got conflict? Who doesn't find themselves experiencing conflict at some point? Learn how you can turn conflict in your favor. That's right. There are ways to de-escalate conflict and win negotiations without being, well, a jerk. In Don't Take the Bait to Escalate, Jay Payleitner shares biblical insights on how to emerge from conflicts with stronger relationships on the job, with your neighbor, and yes, in your family. Loving your enemy starts with de-escalating conflict. Get Don't Take the Bait to Escalate and begin your journey to understanding and not fearing conflict. tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. The Barabbas Legacy by M.D. House As the early Christian witnessed multiple bloody Roman coups and the prophesied annihilation of Jerusalem, Barabbas and his friends strike out across the known world, seeking safe havens for themselves and their fellow saints. Is the Lord's second coming already nigh? Is there a way to hasten it? If not, how can his saints survive the martyrdom of several more apostles and the relentless assaults on truth and righteousness? What will be their legacy? Eighteen short years. That's all we have with our kids. And since some of my kids were adopted and some were adopted as teenagers, joining our family late in life, I knew that I had even less time with them. I wanted to pack my children's lives with meaning. I wanted to give them the best life I could because someday I also wanted to stand before God and be able to say that I had done all I could to raise my children to love and follow him. And for us, we decided that that would be through homeschooling. But I have to admit, truth time here, when I first thought of homeschooling, something held me back. As I lay awake at night, I was, it was like a weight was sitting on my chest at the possibility of homeschooling. I realize now that that weight was fear. I was scared that homeschooling would require me to kiss my dreams goodbye. Also, I worried that if I homeschooled, my kids would emerge into adulthood as weird, socially awkward creatures that people would roll their eyes and say, oh, they must have been homeschooled. Most of all, I was afraid that homeschooling would turn my life upside down. And in many ways it did. So I guess you could say that homeschooling did turn our lives upside down. But 10 kids and 25 years later, I realized this truth. Homeschooling didn't turn our lives upside down. It turned our lives right side up. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today with my guest, Dorinda. Dorinda Wilson married Daryl in 1989, and she is a mom to eight kids born less than 13 years apart. She always considered motherhood to be the ultimate career, 
but she had no idea of the countless ways it would deepen and humble her. Many, many times she found herself unsure and struggling, only to discover God's strength at the end of her rope. She realized she experienced the grace she desperately needed when she took the time to slow her heart and listen for his still, small voice. Her greatest joy is helping moms discover his grace as well, and with it the courage to put their full trust in God as they learn to hear his voice above all others. Welcome, Dorenda. Thank you for having me, Trish. It's great to be here. Oh, it's so great connecting with you. And like um, I mentioned before we went live here, as I'm reading your book, I'm like, amen, sister. <laughs> She's saying all the things that I say. Um, so just to get started, just tell us about your heart behind this book, The 4-Hour School Day. Um, I think the the main thing that I wanted to get across to parents is that they can do this. Like mm-hmm. you, this is doable and it doesn't have to look like everybody else's schooling or public schooling. Um, that's probably the hardest thing to, um, the hardest mindset to change. Right. And, um, I think our culture has a very narrow view of education. And so as I wrote this book, my, my goal was to just sort of like take the hand of the parent and walk through what education really is at the end of the day. Um, and I think having a sort of hindsight perspective, as you well know, uh, really helps cement that. And so my my hope in writing the book was to just bring some confidence to parents, to assure them that they can do this, to help them to recognize their their just their valuable role in the life of their children. Um, they're not they're not just a side dish, you know. Um, God has given them a very very important role in the life of their kids, and so as they consider and maybe move forward with homeschooling, um, I just want them to to know that they can do this. Absolutely. And I love so many things that you said. I think, you know, growing up, going to public school, which most of us did, um, we just think it's between eight and three and sitting at desk. And even when I started homeschooling, it was 1994, I believe, 1994, Mm -hmm. 95. um, I bought the little desk and I bought the whole big box of curriculum. And I thought we were just going to sit down. And my poor child, my poor oldest, he's He's 32 now, and I tell him, like, I'm so sorry. You were my test child for all these things um, that I've learned. You know, we don't have to sit at a desk. We don't have to fill out every worksheet. And it should not take, you know, all day long to try to, to educate, especially our younger kids. I mean, I, I, you know, one to two hours with young, young kids. And then even my, I'm homeschooling five still. And even mm-hmm. my older ones, three hours, four hours tops, we can get so much accomplished. And I love how you share that and how um, it's not like public school. And, you know, we can, um, you know, look at things differently and realize that we have this opportunity to be with our kids, to um, share our days and our life with them. And it's so much more beyond um, just the books. And you're right. You also said, you know, looking back and that we both have older kids and it's like, oh, okay, I'm starting to understand. And I say the best thing that helps me with the ones I'm still homeschooling is having those older kids that have turned out all right. And they are smart, even though we never finished all the curriculum and they are creative and it's okay. Like it will be okay. I love that. It's so true. It's so true that that hindsight really is helpful. But, you know, when you think about a typical school day um, in a traditional classroom, you know, there's a lot of crowd control, 
a lot of time spent on crowd control and just trying to manage that many kids. And if you talk to anyone who's been a teacher or is a teacher, um, at least all the ones I've talked to, I've asked the same question, how much learning time actually happens in the classroom? And they said it is just a small fraction of the time that they have the kids. And that alone should help us realize this doesn't have to take all day. We can hone in on, you know, knowing exactly where our kids are at, what they actually need next. We can avoid all the busy work and the and and just get down to business. You know, it's so efficient and effective because again, you know, we're we're doing it with our specific children in mind, knowing, you know, what kind of curriculum is going to work best for them. You know, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think so many times. Um, you know, again, thinking of the worksheets or I've heard of this curriculum and that might not be the best curriculum for your child. And when I speak at conferences, I often tell parents like, okay, so you read a book or they read something to you. If they can tell you the answers, um, have them tell you the answers. They don't need to sit there and you fight with them for 20 minutes to fill out all the answers on the sheet. In school, they need to turn those in because the teacher has, like you said, 20 or 30 kids and they need to be able to see everything. But if they could tell you, if they could explain to you the parts of the seed or, you know, how plants grow, I mean, that's good enough. And so again, it's not like we have a massive 30 kids that we're trying to, you know, have crowd control, but looking at each child individually really makes a huge difference. So I would like to hear, like, when did you start, like, looking at it differently? Um, I think, you know, we have the, this is how we think it needs to be. And then realizing like, oh, we can do, do, do things differently. So I'd love to hear kind of when things started to change for you. Well, actually, I picked up a book when I was a teenager called Better Late Than Early Mm. by Dr. Raymond Moore. And most of us older homeschooling parents have heard of Dr. Raymond and Dorothy Moore. Um, They sort of are responsible for that reigniting of homeschooling um, back in the, I think it was in the 70s and 80s. So this was an older book even when I picked it up. Um, but I, as I read through it, I was just super interested in in what he had to say, and and so much of what he said resonated with my heart. Just this whole idea of um, how much kids learn just in everyday life, especially in the early years when um, they really do better with hands-on type things. Uh, that would have been intimidating to me had I not read that doing chores every day alongside of each other and helping out with their siblings and helping to cook a meal is all part of their education. Those are all experiences and they all count. And all of a sudden, you know, the whole world of homeschooling seemed so much more doable to me. So that's kind of where it started. Um, And then when I actually started, you know, having children and implementing it, of course, it's still a little bit of a mindset change um, in that, you know, this is true, but this over here is all you know. And so obviously there was some sort of retraining in my thinking, but when I saw my kids thriving, um, doing the things that were really on my heart to do with them and for them, um, that was that was convincing enough to me to say, "Look, they're they're thriving here. They're doing well. Um, why would I mess with that? You know, <laughs> if it's right. not broken, don't fix it." So yeah, it, it it's you know there were always like there was always that temptation to revisit the, but it doesn't look like this. But the longer you do it in a way that works for your family and you, the more you grow to love it and, um, and you don't want to go back and it becomes less and less tempting, um, as time goes on. 
And I think the more that we see, like you said, our kids thriving and growing and they're learning, um, one of the things you talk about is really having them take ownership. Mm-hmm. I think so many times we think, okay, we're the parent, if we're going to homeschool, or even for those who may not be homeschooling, but just they feel like they have to order their kids to say, okay, from this time to this time, we're doing this, this time to this time, we're doing that. So talk a little bit about ownership, because I think this is so important, um, because our kids naturally will be drawn to wanting to know more about certain things and wanting to take on responsibilities. I think sometimes as parents, we can hinder that by mm-hmm. not giving them time to do that because we're trying to order their world so much. Right, right. Yeah, I think um, when they own their education, um, it, it's so much more meaningful to them. What happens, and when I say own their education, really it starts with just that interest, right? being interested in something. You know, I was, I, I did an interview um, earlier today and I, I was talking to a young mom who has a five-year-old and she said, you know, the other day we, we, we were outside and he saw a bee and he chased the bee and they caught the bee. And all of a sudden he was interested in everything he could learn about bees. And so that's, where homeschooling is just so amazing because we have the freedom to pursue that interest till they're just not even interested anymore. But the trick is not taking over the interest. And so for my kids, what that looked like is me just asking a lot of questions, just being like, oh, what do you think is really cool about the bee? And maybe pointing something out or letting them point things, letting them do most of the talking, asking a little bit of a few, an engaging question here and there, seeing where it leads. Um, What do you think about going inside and grabbing, um, I got a couple books on bees, I think. Let's go see if we can find them. And all of a sudden, you know, you are showing them, you're, you're leading them, but they don't know that you're leading them. You're, you're, they're actually taking the lead, but you're walking alongside of them and, and helping them learn how to be resourceful, helping them learn how to find out more about this thing that's so interesting to them. Because what's happening is in that situation, your kids are, their brains are firing on all cylinders because they're engaged, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, and all of that just creates such a great relationship with learning, which is what we want our kids to develop is a really great, positive, healthy relationship with learning. And um, the best way to do that is by encouraging that kind of ownership. Yeah. I I love how you said asking questions too, mm -hmm, like not just directing them. Right. Exactly. Because I know, because I, maybe because most of mine were boys, they're very independent. And and if it became mom's thing, they didn't want anything to do with it anymore. They would just assume they'd just go find something else to be interested in. Right. And I realized, wait, they were interested in that until I started, you know, kind of butting in a little bit too much. And so I learned to just stay back a little bit and just see where it leads. And that was the best way, especially in the early years to really encourage that ownership. Um, because when they own it, all of a sudden, like I said, they're firing on all cylinders, all kinds of great learning is happening. A great relationship with learning is being developed and that's what we really want. Yeah. And when they see like a pile of books there, they're like, Oh no, this is going to become work. Or, you know, if we're saying we're going to do this and we're going to do that, which I'm a, I'm a kind of type A personality. So it's easy for me to like, Ooh, let's go do all these things. Um, but I love when we ask questions, say, well, tell me about it. 
or mm -hmm. what did you learn or what do you see um, they can explore then they might say oh can we go see if there's a, a video on YouTube about making honey or whatever it is right, and right. So, exactly. Yeah. and we can throw suggestions out there what do you think about this what do you think about that but it comes off as a question that's basically open-ended and we are saying we're open to um, your ideas and where you want to go with this yeah and so I think as they grow then they know that they can discover and they can explore and they can use their imagination in order to learn about things instead of feeling like, okay, that was for school. That's just right. where learning happens. Right. <laughs> and we're not yeah. doing a totally separate thing. All right. Another thing that I love that you talk about is priorities. And I think so many times people are, you know, how do you make time for this? And how do you do all these things? And I'm thinking like, well, you don't have to do it all. Like, you know, they're wanting me to give them a schedule that will fit all the things that they're doing. And I love what you talk about, too, is asking questions and figuring out what your priorities are. Mm hmm. That's absolutely right. You know, I think it's, we can't do it all. Like there is, it's, it is, it is impossible and we will drive ourselves crazy trying to do that. And we'll be preoccupied with, oh, maybe it's this, you know, shiny thing over here. And maybe it's this shiny thing over there. Instead of just being engaged right where we are with what we've got right in front of us. And I always say, you know, the curriculum isn't, uh, curriculum is important, but it is not as important as most people think. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is that we just use what we have well in a way that works well for our kids, in a way that works well for us. Um, I think sometimes we as moms can um, kind of expect ourselves to do things that maybe just aren't a good fit for us either. We don't necessarily consider our strengths and weaknesses when we're homeschooling our kids. And although obviously everything can't revolve around that, it needs to be a balance, I think, between the two. And no, we cannot do it all. And and we need to be okay with that. We need to just choose well. I think that's the biggest thing. Absolutely. Because there is, um, you know, you think, oh, I'll have this time, all this time <laughs> homeschooling my kids. And then you'll fill it up with all these things. And pretty soon I, I've been there. I've been the yeah. mom that's been completely exhausted and overwhelmed because we're doing this activity and this co-op and this other thing. And I realized like we are spending so much time just running and this is not the type of life I wanted to live. And so before I would always like, oh, that sounds fun. Let's do it. Now it's a no, unless I really think like, okay, no, this is something that I want to do and we all want to do. So I've kind of switched instead of saying yes to everything, saying no to everything, and then really just choosing the things that I want, that my kids want to do, that we're, that we all agree will be fun and exciting for us. Right. And, and I think that's so important because what you're doing there is you're, you know, as you're discussing it with the kids, is this, is, do you think this is a good fit for our family? Um, you're, you're teaching them how to prioritize. Mm -hmm. um, what kinds of questions do you ask when you're trying to decide if you're going to do something or not do something? So what makes something a wise choice and what makes it a foolish choice? And um, you know, considering the season you're in and, you know, just there's, these are all the sort of nuances that happen when we take the time to have that discussion with our kids. I think this is one thing I really, that really encouraged ownership with our kids in all their areas of life was to have those conversations and to talk about these things and 
to go through these processes together. And that's all part of their education because we want to grow wise and discerning kids, not just kids who have a bunch of head knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so what you're describing is really heart knowledge. It's an intuition. It's being aware. Um, there's self-awareness involved. You know, maybe this isn't a good season for us to do this particular thing. Um, uh, but at, at the same time, you're processing it with them. You're also saying that you value their opinion. And when we do that, we do all of those things, we really instill um, and grow the confidence in our kids that they're able to make good decisions. And at the end of the day, we want, we that's what we want, right? If our kids are making good decisions, the rest is just, you know, it, it, it'll take care of itself, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. And yeah, if they don't feel like they have a choice or this is mom's thing and this is what we have to do. Yeah, you're, you're not teaching them because, you know, pretty soon mom's not going to be there. <laughs> like whether right, right. they're off working or doing a trade or in college, they're going to have to make decisions and manage their time and figure exactly. it out, figure out what those priorities are. And they have to um, own it. And if we're constantly owning it, somebody's going to own it. If we're owning it, they're probably not going to. So we need to be just really aware that we're letting them own it. And like you said, having those conversations is a way that we can do that. Mm, Absolutely. All right. So I want to also talk about um, faith and you have this whole chapter um, talking about faith, why passing on our faith matters to our kids. And, um, you know, so we have 10 kids, we've adopted seven of them. And then some of them we adopted as teenagers. So here they were in public school and now they're being adopted by this family. Um, and so we had four teenagers that we adopted at once. They're wow. a sibling group. And I remember having this conversation with my husband. I'm like, okay, they have holes in their education because they were in foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to have to be going back to basics with some of them. And there's all these different emotional needs. And, but I said, if I can do anything during these homeschooling years, it's going to be to pass on my faith. Um, and I remember the first time I sat down, you know, their first day of homeschooling, they've always been in public school and here's mom gathering them around the table and I pull out my Bible and they're like, what are you doing? (laughs) And it's like, um, you know, where's the math sheets and when are we doing this class and that class? And I told them, I'm like, yes, we're going to get to math and yes, we're going to get to writing and reading and all those things, but we're just going to spend some time. We're going to read God's word and the look on their face is like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> but I truly felt like, yes, we would get to all those things. But if I have this time with them, if I have this season, this is what I want to impart into them. Mm-hmm. And I think often with homeschool, I talked to a lot of parents at conferences, um, the kind of the faith or the spending time in the Bible or discipling their kids get pushed out of the way because they do need to finish this math sheet or get this curriculum done. So I would just love for you to share um, just the importance. And I know you talk about that in here about passing on our faith. Yeah. You know, it's, I always try to remind parents that you're not just investing in your children, you're investing in your grandchildren and your Mm. great grandchildren. You know, our pastor said several weeks ago, I'll never forget it. He said, someone's been thinking multi-generationally and it hasn't been the church. Right. And I thought, boy, is that true? We need to have a multi-generational view. And I can tell you from where I'm sitting right now, having pretty much all my kids as adults and, and them starting to get married and have children. We have seven grandkids. Um, and only two of our kids have started having kids. So there's going to be <laughs> an explosion of grandchildren, but watching them parent and watching them prioritize 
is such a um, an eye opener to make you realize the investment that you made. Um, you know, sometimes when we're making that investment along the way, um, it's hard to imagine what the fruit will look like. Um, but I can tell you, no time is wasted that is spent passing our faith on to our kids. Mm-hmm. And that's not just about reading Bible stories. That's important. We want our kids familiar with the Bible. Sure. That's absolutely essential. We know that his word doesn't come back void, but we've got to live it our lives as strong believers with strong faith. And and obviously we're always growing. We're, we never arrive. We're, we never do this perfectly. But having that gospel-centered mentality, um, and what I mean by that is understanding that um, we're all we're all in need of a Savior. All of us are. Um, that that's our saving grace, understanding that He is God and we are not, and that I'm going to mess up, but I'm going to be able to say, look, I'm sorry, and and I shouldn't have done that. And to be able to humble myself, to even be able to humble myself to apologize is a grace from God. And then to be able to, you know, have that forgiveness of the Lord and forgiveness within our family. That's huge. That's huge right there. Because what it does is it gives us all permission to take responsibility for our own stuff. (laughs) Because when, um, when we, when we confess our sins, we're also confessing our victory. We have victory um, in our lives because of Jesus. And so this is all, I mean, these are just foundational things that we can go back to over and over and over again, that our kids will go back to over and over again as adults and as they go on to impact the world around them in their workplace, their marriages, their families. Um, Faith, faith is the, it's the foundation. And so absolutely spending that time in the word and conveying um, the truth of who God is, is absolutely time well spent. And, and it's funny that you, you said that about pulling your Bible out, because I, I will say, I think I'm doing a better job with the younger kids than I did with the older ones, right. because I, I'm, I, I did a decent job. I feel like we did, you know, the best we could at that point I with what we knew. And um, and we were faithful and we plotted in, in the word. But I, I have seen my heart just be so much more, even more convinced that this is important, that this year when we went into the school year, my number one priority with our, he was 16, he just turned 17 year old, was I, I want him to know the word. I want him to know the word and I want him to know, I want to be him to be able to defend his faith. I want him to be able to um, know why he believes what he believes. Like, so more apologetics, I guess I would say. Um, and so much of that is happening just in conversation. Um, but tying it all into everything that's going on around us, having ongoing conversations about that and pointing out um, a biblical worldview versus what we're seeing happen around us. It's so it's just been so great, so great. Um, but yes, it is absolutely crucial. Yeah, I love that so much. And I love that it's um, the balance of in God's word and teaching our kids to know what they believe, but then living it out right. and walking it out. I just mm-hmm. spoke at our church Wednesday night. Um, they asked me to speak on parenting. I think their daughter can give them parenting tips. <laughs> you know? right? But I'm actually like, let's look at you. Is there anything in your past you need to be healed from? Um, Are you being obedient to God? Um, And one of the 
quotes that I said, I said, you know, our words matter as parents, but our lives will be duplicated. Our kids are going to do what they see us doing. And so, you know, it wasn't like, this is when you should get your phone or kids should get their phone, whatever the tips. Right. It was, it was like, okay, uh, yes, we're going to be talking about parenting, but we have to start with us as the parents and what type of life are we leaving? Yes. It's, it's more, more is caught than taught. Absolutely. You know, the, we can talk till we're blue in the face, but I always say kids can sniff hypocrisy a mile away. Yeah. Like they know it. And, um, and a lot of times as teenagers are not afraid to point it out either, which is, oh, very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is very humbling. And uh, I at first was very uh, infuriating. And then I realized, wow, wow, Dorinda, you really, there's a lot of work that needs to happen in your heart. <laughs> Absolutely. That, and, the homeschooling, I'm telling you, the homeschooling was like so much about my education uh, yep, <laughs> like, and, and spiritual growth. <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly. <laughs> that's it was about the kids. I know. I know. It's so, it's so interesting. I love how, how productive it is, right? God doesn't waste anything, right? He's not just no, going to educate yes. the kids. He's going to work on the parents and everybody's sanctification. And <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then no, I'm like, good. okay. I am learning so much today yeah, and, and a lot about myself. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that I've really realized, one of the first things that I realized um, was the generational work that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's just always things that are passed on. Um, there are good things, but there are also negative and sinful things that we need to deal with. And a lot of times through parenting and homeschooling, God will reveal those things to us. And being faithful to do the hard work you are thinking multi-generationally. You are going to save your children, hopefully, from having to deal with that. We can stop it in our generation. We can stop it in, in its tracks. You know, we, we hope and pray that each generation just gets better and better and better, but we have to do our part. Absolutely. Yeah, I love how you're saying that, too. It's, it's not just we're homeschooling our kids, but we are also raising our grandkids' parents yes, that are going right. to be taking them to church and teaching them about God and, you know, praying with them. And, and, and I have uh, lots of grandkids, too. And so we see it. We could see the impact that, you know, the faithfulness of us educating yes. our kids and That's spending right. that time, we could see it in our grandkids. Yeah. And, you know, none of none of us does it perfectly. Mm-mm. And I think that's one thing I really want to convey because to a, a younger mom, I know as a younger mom listening, I would be almost kind of intimidated. Um, but I just want to tell you that I didn't do that perfectly. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't do the parenting thing perfectly, the homeschooling thing perfectly, or the setting the perfect example. In fact, there were a lot of times when my example was what not to do. And, right. and I would tell my kids that. <laughs> I would say, you know, uh, one of the things, especially when they were very young, I was so concerned that I was going to wreck their view of Jesus because I knew that they were, you know, kids tend to look at their parents and put, yeah, they kind of look at God the way they look at their parents. There's a little right. bit of that association there. And um, and sometimes when I would just mess up so badly, I would the only thing that would come out of my mouth or the first thing out of my mouth is, before I'm sorry, even I would say, um, I just want you to know that Jesus would never act like that. <laughs> Jesus would have never said that. <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Yes. All the all the humbling and the yes. growth. Yes. Yeah. And my kids saw it and they know it. And you know, the funny thing is, okay, so this is a funny, you're going to love this, Trish, because it's hilarious what your kids remember and don't remember 
Okay. Oh, yeah. So we our our thing with family devotions was to do it at dinner time because that's when they were all there and trying to get them all together any other time was like hurting cats. Right. You know, you know what that's like. So like we're already here, just as everybody's finishing dinner and before they get up and leave the table, let's pull the Bible out. Let's read and let's pray together. Um, that just worked really well for us. But of course we fell off the wagon, you know, we'd forget yeah. or it just wouldn't happen or we'd have a couple nights where we weren't home or something and we wouldn't get back into the habit. And then all of a sudden, you know, two weeks had gone by and I, oh man, we haven't had any family devotions for like two weeks. This is, oh man, I would just feel like a failure. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Would you, you know, I mean, after years and years and years of, you know, fall off, get back on, fall off, you start thinking, is this pointless? Are my kids right. going to think I'm inconsistent? We're inconsistent and all that. But I just kept doing it. I thought I just got to keep doing it, you know? So we just kept doing it. Fast forward a couple of years ago, I was talking to one of our daughters and um, I said something about family devotions or no, she was bringing it up. She was like, yeah, I was telling someone the other day, um, our family did we read the Bible at the dinner table every single night? <laughs> and I was like, no, we didn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, I do you know how many times we fell off the wagon and had to get back on. She was like, well, I don't remember that, mom. I'm pretty sure. Like, she was convinced that we did it. And most of my kids will say that we were so consistent in their minds. We were so consistent. And I just yeah. like, thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. So there's some encouragement out there, moms. Just keep going back. Don't think that you've wrecked it forever. Just keep getting back on the horse and go back um, because God is gracious and he is going to take what you do and he's going to multiply it and make it enough. Absolutely. And yeah, I, at that, as they remember things that I totally agree. Sometimes the things they remember, I'm like, that was important to you, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah. So I will, I will like, remember the time we made costumes out of construction paper and we dressed up as pilgrims. And then we, and they're like, no, <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, we've seen the photos that you, you know, but I don't remember, but they'll remember like the family dinners or the time mm. the electricity went out and we're all sitting yeah. around on the blanket, eating sandwiches, you know, <laughs> on the floor in the dark. And it's those things that we think, okay, that's not really important that end up being those important times to them you know again we ate you know they would say we ate dinner around the table every night well i'm like not really like most right. nights we would try but to them that's so important and they love you know when they come over to all have the family dinners around the table and yes. so it is it is god's grace that like okay like you know we're generally trying to do the right thing and right. they just they embrace that the, right and god honors it i love that yeah, but they don't remember about the pilgrim costumes that took me three hours to make no, with right? construction paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Well, I am so excited about this book, and um, I mean, I was just nodding my head all the way through it. It's mm -hmm. such an encouragement for parents. So again, the title is "The Four Hour School Day: um, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life." There's so much. I mean, we could go through every chapter. We could talk about it for an hour, but we're not going to do that. But um, Dorinda, where can people go to find more information about you and this book? Well, I have a website, DorindaWilson.com. There's a written blog there. I have podcasts there. Um, and there's information on that book as well as my two other books. Yeah, to, uh, mention those because, again, as I'm uh, reading the other titles, 
the the titles of the other your other books i'm thinking oh yeah this is this woman is like such my person i love it (laughs) (laughs) great i love it that's so great um the unhurried homeschooler a simple mercifully short book on homeschooling so that can be you know it can feel a little overwhelming when people are first starting out and so that's a really great um it's just a really great kind of starter book and then my second book that I wrote was Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. And that's actually a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms. I go through passages oh, of scripture um, that talk about application to motherhood and homeschooling. And there's some space for journaling and some reflective questions. It's something you can do with a group if you want to. Um, and then, of course, the four-hour school day, which I feel like is more like an expansion of the Unhurried Homeschooler. Um, but I think it, it's... I wasn't sure I had more to say after my little simple, mercifully <laughs> short book, but apparently I did. And as I started to write, I realized how much, you know, God had mm-hmm. really put on my heart to um, encourage parents um, in this homeschooling journey. So, yeah. I, I love it. We'll we'll put all the links in the show notes also, but thank you so much for being here today. And um, thank you just for everything you've shared. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And I'm sorry about my lawn mowing guy. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Oh, thanks for having me. Yes. What is God's grace and what does it mean for you? Grace is a word we've heard since the very first step in our faith journey. But do we really believe in God's grace? Dr. Andrew Farley's new book, The Grace Message, invites you to discover the best flavor of Christianity and celebrate the good news of the gospel to the fullest. Life's too short to miss out on God's best. Discover how big God's grace really is. Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com and I can't wait until we connect again.